Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Let's Watch podcast, where we're continuing our bracket thing of the 1999 movies. I'm your host, James, with my co-host, Carolyn, who is uh, all about Hot Girl Summer. (laughs) Am I? Yeah. Do you even know what that is? No. Okay, that's perfect. Um, She loves Megan the Stallion and White Claw. I I feel that I should be defending myself here, but maybe I'll just agree because you're probably right. I mean, a white claw seems like your type of drink. Oh, these are drinks. Okay, I thought a white they were claw, women. A white claw is like a, a beverage. <laughs> so no, Megan the Stallion is a is a woman. Uh-huh. Uh huh. White claw is alcoholic seltzer water. That sounds terrible. I mean, it's all the rage in uh, New York and Toronto. So, well. I guess I'll have to try it out then. I mean, I thought you were a yuppie. <laughs> um, you wear fanny packs. I don't wear fanny packs. And I definitely don't wear them across my chest. What, across your butt? But across your butt? <laughs> no, only old dads wear them across their butt. <laughs> old dads. Old dads, as opposed to Not young a- hip dads who wear them across their dad bod chest. <laughs> Um, what movies are we talking about? Honestly, I don't know. One of them's The Mummy, though. One of them, uh, we're not starting with that one. That's that's for sure. Uh, the movies we're talking about are Topsy Dash Turvy, mm-hmm. Man on the Moon, All About My Mother, and The Mummy. Yep. By that logic, and... we're talking about The Mummy last, so. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. About, I don't know. I was going to be like, nope, it's not best for last. I guess we should start with uh, Topsy Turvy versus Man on the Moon. Mm-hmm. I uh, can hit you with a quick synopsis here. I've got uh, the pages up. So Okay, hit me with it. Topsy Smack Turvy. me in the face and rip out my nose. Uh, something that Topsy Turvy did not do. Um, so directed by Mike Lee, um, starring Jim Broadbent, Alan Cordiner, Dexter Fletcher, and many more. Um, Set in the 1880s, the story of how, during a creative dry spell, the partnership of the legendary musical theater writers Gilbert and Sullivan almost dissolves before they turn it all around and write The Mikado, which is a Japanese musical, sort of. Yeah, inspired by Japanese culture, I would say is the polite way to phrase it. Appropriated from Japanese culture. Yeah, there's the correct way. Uh, <laughs> it's directed and written by Mike Lee, who's mm-hmm. very established and well, like, uh, how do I say? I'm forgetting how to phrase, like, acknowledged that he's good. I'm forgetting the actual term of what to say when they're like, it's like, well, somebody would, people be like, David Fincher, be like, oh, yeah, David Fincher's a good director. It's he's like the same with Mike Lee. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and he's done lots of movies mm-hmm. uh, with most, uh, I think most of the cast returns mm-hmm. in his fellow movies. I know he does a lot of movies with Timothy Spall. Mm, yep. And have you had seen any of his movies before or since? Um, not to my knowledge. I do recognize a lot of the titles, but they're, yeah, no, I don't think I have. And they're all British. Yeah. Because I guess direct and write what you know, but. Yeah, again, I yeah, I was just screening. Yeah, a bunch of I guess his most famous would probably be that most people know be Mr. Turner. 
mm-hmm. which came out in 2014 and was nominated for a couple Oscars. And I think Timothy Spall was nominated for it as well. Um, but other than that, he's like a very well-respected British director. Uh, but this movie is uh, no bueno. It was so long. <laughs> it's, it's so long. It's unbelievably long. It's two hours and 34 minutes, apparently. And like, oh my God, I couldn't even follow it. I was so bored. Like, Okay. So oh. for the first 40 some minutes, can you tell me what happened? No. Someone was sick. <laughs> the musicals weren't selling. Then they were arguing for a while of what they should do for a musical. He was creatively unfulfilled. Yeah, because they'd been writing the same opera over and over or something. And then, he, and, then, and then he went to France and had some sex and he was fine? Yep. And the the other guy, I think it was the other guy. I don't know. Their mustache just confused me. I thought it was the same person for the first half hour. Okay, um, that's a little ridiculous. One guy well, had more hair than the other. He had the sideburns, the lamb chops. They all had lamb chops and they were very distracting. But yeah, so then the one guy goes to... Uh, His wife drags him to a Japanese exhibit at some museum or something. She wants a hot date. To a Japanese exhibit at a museum or something. What else (laughs) is there to do in the 1880s in England? But then he buys a a samurai sword and it falls off the wall or something. And then he's like, I am inspired. Good Lord. And then he goes through some uh, classic appropriation, which I guess at the time is kind of expected. Well, and also... They did bring on, uh, I wouldn't call them consultants, but they did bring on <laughs> some random Japanese people to be like, oh, God, I can't even. They were mimicking what they were doing. Oh, um, boy. So I guess they wanted to make it um, more accurate. It was yeah. horrifying. I don't know. <laughs> I know. But I think at least with this movie, like, it is of a time and a place where that stuff happened. Yeah, that um, is true. So... So it's not like this is taking place in 2019. It's taking place in the 1880s. And this is definitely what they would have done. So again, I just, I don't, I also don't think the movie was like glorifying them doing that. It was just like, this is what they did. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely not. Um, It also, yeah, it wasn't pointing out the ridiculousness of it and it wasn't glorifying it. It was just saying, this is the boring story. Are you still watching? Because I'm not. Yeah. Uh, And by the way, I'm not defending colonialism. Like, let's, (laughs) I'm not doing that. I'm just trying to (laughs) explain. Um, this movie, though, had the most long and boring musical interludes. Like, it was literally a musical minus all of the fun parts of a musical, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of musicals, I guess. But musicals, like, oh, God, I, I like a good musical. This was not that, like... No, it wasn't. It was... I think also, I think that it wasn't like a... It, this was isn't like the Shakespeare theater or whatever, right? It's like a small one. Mm-hmm. So I guess those people are supposed to be kind of underwhelming, I guess, in a sense. But why are you going to show us a a movie, a really long movie, about bad musical talent? I mean, that's a fair point. That's Did a good, you that's a good point. <laughs> Moaning Myrtle from Harry Potter in this? What? Who was she? she? The, the, I don't know, the girl with the sun? Um, oh, the one that was like, I, I, I need a husband. <laughs> yeah, like honestly, I zoned out entirely, and then I heard her be like, oh, but blah blah blah, and I was like, that's Moaning Myrtle's voice, and I looked at her and I was like, is that Moaning Myrtle? But it was her voice that clued me into it. Oh, I, I had no idea. I just, yeah, I, 
didn't moaning myrtle is not a character i remember very well no that's fair uh, because as She's you know i haven't ghost. really watched those movies yeah but but this movie <laughs> you know it did win some awards they were all for production so that's for like fine. costume set i can see why it did great costume that was well set, done a lot of money put into it but oh my goodness <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's dry. It's incredibly British of a bunch of people repressing their emotions and issues and not talking about it with each other and just being like, right, oh, golly, jolly good. Yep. Did you, um, I know you also don't watch Grey's Anatomy, but I got a personal enjoyment out of um, the, the guy who plays Owen Hunt refusing to remove his corset, his man corset. Oh, Kevin McKidd? Yep. The Scottish guy? Yep. Yeah, I didn't know he was from Grey's Anatomy, but I like Kevin yep. McKidd. He's I a big studly military doctor on Grey's Anatomy, so watching that oh. was very funny. I thought him and Timothy Spall were like the most engaging characters. Yeah, that's when I like looked up from my lap for a while. <laughs> Carolyn, <laughs> I actually don't think like the for, like after the first forty minutes, mm-hmm. and we're dealing with whatever sickness bullshit they're having, and they're just doing like a rich white man fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like that hour where they're like that. Where they make make the play and stuff. I actually thought that hour was good mm-hmm. um, because it was actually like they were doing stuff. Like it was actually like progressing things. And then after that, I again got very bored, and I was like, "This movie needs to end." Yeah. So an hour of a two hour and thirty four minutes was good. <laughs> I'm trying to be positive. <laughs> I don't. I I will say. Uh, do you think this movie was trying to be a comedy? God, I hope not. Because didn't everybody feel like they were kind of like over the top and trying to chew the scenery a little bit? Yeah, it was very theatrical. And like, it, it it was weird because they played it straight, but like they were like, with the audience, they were like letting the audience in on a big joke. Um, but yeah, no, I, from what I've seen, this was called a comedy drama. Like when you, they have the genre hashtags or whatever, comedy was on there. So... Oh boy. Okay. It also it felt to me like Jim Broadbent was playing like a caricature. I I honestly felt that way about pretty much everyone in this movie. Like people either were way too like so boring and like just straight and then all the other people were a little bit like you remember you're in a movie and not on the stage, right? <laughs> like Yeah. I mean, so the only people who felt like they were in the right movie where Timothy Spall and Kevin McKinn. Like I felt like they nailed, or like that's the tone I wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one scene I especially liked is when uh, Kevin McKidd is with the other two. I guess the two lead, other two leads, like mm-hmm. the and they're eating oysters mm-hmm. and they're having the conversation about uh, all those people that w- were killed, all the English people that were killed, right. uh, defending or something. Uh, and Kevin McKidd makes like a like a little snide remark about because he's Scottish about the Scottish and about how like well you know we kill a lot of people the English people kill, the English kill a lot of people too and mm-hmm. a lot of families and children and I was like oh hey movie yeah but that's because he where did that of the come from about it <laughs> yeah yeah I was like where'd that come from that's actually like good writing and like cleverly sliding something in and then moving on and then there's not much else of that well that's the thing i feel like there were points where they were trying to make statements about various things but then there was so much that was just like 
I don't know. I feel like it was too self-centered kind of thing. Like it was kind of like he wrote it and directed it and was like, oh, these scenes are all in it kind of for me. Like it, it, it felt very like, I don't know. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, it did feel very much like um, this is the stuff I grew up reading about. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's let's pat ourselves back on the back. Let's pat ourselves on the back for being British and being so good at everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, 10 out of 10 stars for me. <laughs> yeah. Did this movie does should this have even been made? I I feel like I came out of it with nothing added to my life. Like, I've come out of movies that I really, really don't like that I feel like, okay, I can see the point. But this one, I, I just never – I never understood the point, you know? Yeah, I, I never understood why we needed to see this. Like, it like it's not even like the base story was really an interesting story. Maybe maybe for someone who, like, really is into that scene and, like, cares about those guys. But um, I was never curious and I still am not. Did you like the uh, random uh, drug part at the end? <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, why is this here? Like, why? But that's just sticking in theme. Why were most of the things there? I mean, true. This movie is fine. It's that, fine. That's the thing. It's utterly forgettable. Yeah. yeah. It would not get na- made now. No. Let's say. I think most of these movies we watched this this week would not get made. For various reasons, yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh do you want to move on to the next one and hit yeah. me with that uh hot synopsis? Yeah, so IMDb dropped the ball on this one because the synopsis for Man on the Moon is the life and career of legendary comedian Anthony Kaufman. Nope. Andy Kaufman. Oh my God. I remember Anthony that Kaufman. Anthony Kaufman. No, Andy Kaufman. And that's the whole scenario. So, I mean, that's a good synopsis, I guess. Yep. So, this one is uh, directed by Milos. Milos. Milos, Milos. Forman, uh, written by Scott Alexander and Larry Karazowski. You're on your own for that one. <laughs> starring mostly just Jim Carrey, but also uh, Danny DeVito and um, Jerry Becker. What? That's who you go with after that, not Paul Giamatti? I was looking at this and I was like, why? Is-? That's why I hesitated. <laughs> IMDb puts him like top build. Uh, okay, that he's not on the one I'm looking at at all. So I just got to get off this dang webpage. Now, you're a part, you do not do improv or sketch or anything like that, but you're a part of a group that does. You're just more behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. Are a lot of them fans of Andy Kaufman? If you know. Did you say Anthony? I said, yes, I did. <laughs> um, yeah, so. <laughs> I, I Legendary like Anthony Kaufman. <laughs> you're tiptoeing around. Um, yes, I am in the, in the comedy community without, without actually participating in it. Um, That's the dunk special right there. Right? But n- no, no one I know um, when they're talking about comedy talks about Andy Kaufman. Um, it largely, a lot of the people I know are into improv and sketch and stuff. Um, Andy Kaufman, I guess, is more of a stand-up kind of guy and also a weird performance art kind of guy. So I, mean, I think he commits just, to the bits. 
that's that's what I found really weird about him and actually about this whole movie. I think it did a really good job of kind of trying to show you the essence of Andy Kaufman, who I don't know a lot about. So it made me super uncomfortable because I was like, this guy is weird. He's a weird dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Weird. That's the thing. Yeah. I think he. I think you. I think you have to be. He had in, to be. in some sense, right? Because he obviously finds that stuff funny. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, why would he do it? But funny for who? For himself? Like it was very kind of self indulgent. But it's weird because yeah, most of what he did was performance art. But it was only him and like one other buddy who'd be in on the joke. So like, is that really performance art, or is that just you being a weirdo? Like if no one knows that you're making a statement, are you making a statement? You know? True. I mean, I think it's obviously worked. Maybe not at the time for a lot mm-hmm. of people, but a lot. He's still known today, and a lot of people still look up to him and admire his comedy. Mm-hmm. So obviously, like it did, he had some impact on comedy in general. Like he, I think he did bring apart like the whole, or at least help push forward like the whole awkward, mm-hmm. uh, uncomfortable humor, where like the point is to be uh, so uh, like unfunny that you people just have any experience. Like he just mm-hmm. wanted people to feel something. Mostly, he's like, I don't care if it's good or bad. I just need them to feel. Well, what's weird too is like on the one hand, I was like, "How did this dude get famous?" Like, yes, how? that's what I did not know that either. Watching the movie, I was like, "How did this man?" It, it kind of skipped over that because everyone was like, "Oh, they all wanted him," and I was like, "Wait, sorry, I feel like I missed the one part where he, where people started to want to see him and stuff." But I guess, I guess the reason people kept watching him and stuff is maybe the same reason that people these days really like reality TV. Like we we like to watch someone doing stuff that's like kind of funny, kind of uncomfortable. Sometimes you're cheering for them. Sometimes you just hate them. Like a lot of times I was like, I hate this dude. Cause he, he kind of, he kind of acts like a bit of an asshole in the name of being funny. And then it's like, Oh, but that's not me. That's just like with all the wrestling stuff with the girls. He's like, I yeah. have a question about that though. Yeah, I was so confused about all that. <laughs> Did people in the, in the eighties not know wrestling was fake? I think they because did not. this is after Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they didn't really because... What? I think it was like the 90s when WWE was first. Everyone was kind of like, you know, this is not... This is a lie. No, because they were like selling out Madison Square Garden with like Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. Like in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So... Bizarre. I know. like that, man. <laughs> yeah, I, that part just like... I was like, I don't believe... Like, I find it so hard. To, I could see him getting flack um, for, like, doing wrestling instead of doing what other, what people wanted, which was, like, more shows or more TV shows and stuff. Like, I kind of mm-hmm. understand that. But, like, the actual, like, thing he was doing, which is bad because it was, like, he's being, like, the worst man. Mm-hmm. Like, not fighting men, fighting women, and then saying a bunch of jokes. But, like, there was comedians who made those jokes after that that became famous and mm-hmm. for, like let's be real. Like there's a lot of people in high up positions that are doing the same stuff now. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I just but found yeah. it weird that why did Andy Kaufman be the one where it ended his career? But like, yeah, I don't know. And, and also did it even end his career? Cause like people seem to still care. It, yeah, I, I mean, was he, very confused about a lot yeah. of this. I think cause it was told largely like you're with him the whole time, but yeah, I never knew what the people were feeling and why why they were watching him, why they hated him, why they loved him. I, 
I think it missed telling that part of the story. I don't know how you would tell that part of the story because I don't know that it was clear even at the time. Yeah, I think they were, or, or the director was more interested in just showing who Andy Kaufman was behind the act. It did all feel to, very sympathetic to him, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, because just because it was produced by like Danny DeVito and mm-hmm. um, who was his friend? What was his friend's name? Whose friend? What was Paul Giamatti's character's name? Oh, um, that's a great question. Zuma? Something like that. Yeah, it but was he was also, weird. he was a producer on the movie as well. Mm-hmm. So like people around that were around him and were his friends produced the movie. So like obviously it will give a good light on him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. Wait, because they loved him. Yeah, Bob Zamuda. Zamuda, yeah. Yeah. I had no idea that it. Paul Giamatti was in this movie until he popped up. And I was like, what? Well, he's uh, he, I think he was kind of a no one at the time because he is super low down on the uh, the billing. Yes, he is. And yeah. did you think anybody in this movie other than Jim Carrey was good? I don't think anyone in this movie other than Jim Carrey mattered, to be honest. Like, I thought he was really good because I like Jim Carrey and he weirded me right the hell out. But uh <laughs> But no, I don't think anyone else was terribly believable, to be honest. But I think that makes sense because it's really hard. Like, how do you how do you act like you care and love this person who is being really strange? And like, people in Andy Kaufman's real life would love him and stuff because they grew to love him in various ways. But it's like, but Jim Carrey's not like that. So I think it would, yeah, I think it would just be hard to to fake it because you don't have all this backstory and like even when he's being a, a piece of crap you still love him kind of thing yeah i i guess that's fair i mean he was jim carrey was really the only one with, with any like arc and mm-hmm. anything really to do everybody mm-hmm. else was kind of just playing a part like even danny devito who's in the movie like a fair amount is very mm-hmm. much just like he's supposed to just defend andy and then just get frustrated with him but we really don't know anything about him yeah you know I did read that Jim Carrey uh, method acted on set and it yeah, caused I watched, a lot of problems. <laughs> I've watched the documentary um, mm-hmm. that's on Netflix where it's about the behind the scenes of it. It was a very troubled production, I guess. Uh, there's this great scene where Jim Carrey's like being Andy Kaufman mm-hmm. in the documentary and they've cut and the director is like, I need to speak to Jim. I need <laughs> to speak. And Jim Carrey's like, my name is Andy, right? And he's like, just not. And there's just this arguments happening. And Milo Shorman is just getting more and more exasperated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just like, I need to speak to Jim. That's, yeah. Because apparently, you know, the wrestler guy whose name I already forget? Jerry Lawler. Yeah. Apparently, he and Jim Carrey had this huge rivalry, basically, and kind of a blowing out, which yes. later on, they're like, oh, it was... uh to advertise the movie and it's like no it wasn't like <laughs> apparently in that scene where he like hits um andy apparently he hit jim carrey way harder than he ever hit andy because he was just like really pissed off at him yeah he uh, you can tell in the movie he really hit him yeah like it was uh but uh, uh jerry lawler and andy were supposed to be really good friends in real life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um because he or jerry lawler really thought he did brought a lot of good to wrestling Mm-hmm. Or, or like helped elevate its station, I guess. I don't know how, but. <laughs> Did you um, like Courtney Love in this movie? No, I I didn't really. I uh, 
I mean, clearly she cared, her character cared, cared a lot for Andy, but I just didn't, maybe it's because she didn't really have much of an arc. Like she kind of got introduced and then all of a sudden they were like deeply in love. Um, but for me, I don't know if it was the script or the acting or what, but there just didn't seem to be a lot of justifications for why she would have fallen for this guy yeah. and why she would put up with his shenanigans. Like, cause he didn't bring her in on a lot of the, the she, he, she wasn't on the inside and it kind of was like, why are you just so okay with that? So passive, you know? Were you okay with uh, her casting? Because I do think it is like a bit of weird casting, especially considering I believe when this movie, this is movie is definitely after Kurt Cobain's death. Mm-hmm. Um, and there would have been the whole, she is now playing essentially almost a real life for not like Andy Kaufman didn't kill himself, but he died mm-hmm. at a young age from cancer. And then she's playing like an early widow again. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah. I feel like it was sad. <laughs> yeah. But it just makes me feel it. it's weird because there was, I don't, I don't know at this time because I was so young, but there's mm-hmm. certainly been like a, I hate even conspiracy theory that she was at least involved with Kurt Cobain. Like how, what happened to him? Oh, interesting. Um, like there's a whole segment of people. I don't really want to get into it because it's a, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but a lot of people don't think Kurt Cobain killed himself. He thought like he was murdered uh, and that she's the one who did it. Sounds like music fans. Yes. Uh, and who knows? But I do think it is a weird bit of casting that then they would do that. Also, she was going through a lot of personal troubles at the time. Um, yeah. And then they put her in this movie where she's like, with a strange and maybe troubled person. And yeah. Yeah. I, think I, I do think. Strange. Yeah. And like, obviously, I mean, if she, I'm not saying she shouldn't work or anything. I do think it is a bit weird. It maybe just made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I was like, I don't just, and I guess this is fair. Same thing with uh, movies. We'll talk about soon <laughs> um, where how they age and it's hard to look back at them. Now that I know everything I do in 2019. Yeah, like here's a little spoiler. Maybe there's some uh, problematic shit in the mummy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Before we... Again, um, sorry, what were you going to say? I, I just don't... This is another movie. I just don't really see the point of why it was around. Like, yeah. I kind of feel the same about with Topsy Turvy. Like, both of these movies are like, okay, I understand why this movie was made. But again, mm-hmm. did it really need to be a movie? I mean, I can see more with this one why they would want to dig into it because, like, like I said, I didn't know a lot about Andy Kaufman, but watching this, he's a kind of a fascinating person because it's like, why is he famous? He sucks. Does he suck? Is it real? Is it performance? What is this? And so I can see why they would want to make a movie that kind of digs into that. Um, I just think they failed in digging into that. Like, I think they they didn't really – it's something that people want an explanation for and they want like a nice neat little bow. And like, if he straight up was like, it is performance art. I'm trying to make people look at people at themselves in a mirror kind of thing or whatever. I think that would have been more satisfying because you'd understand it. But Mm -hmm. um, I mean, like with a lot of great actors and comedians and stuff, like people want to know how they got to be where they are um, because people are obsessed with celebrity, right? Yeah. I completely agree with that. But do you just think it would have been served better as a documentary than as a uh, film? Absolutely. As a a theater (laughs) or fiction film, I guess, or a biopic. I mean, yeah. Because weirdly enough, I, and I hate saying this, but I needed someone to explain it to me. You know what I mean? Like if it was a documentary, 
where they're kind of telling a bit more of a straightforward narrative and they're, and they're, yeah, really telling you what's going on and why he is the way he is, that would have been easier. Whereas this, Jim Carrey was good, almost too good. It freaked me out. But, uh, but yeah, I didn't love, I didn't love the movie, to be honest. Yeah, I'm very similar. I do think, I agree, I think Jim Carrey is very good. I do think sometimes he slips into impersonation mm-hmm. a little bit and doesn't, there are scenes in this movie where he like gives the inner depth where you can like see through his act, Andy Kaufman's act. But there's mm-hmm. other times where he's, it feels like he's just doing like a skit almost. Mm-hmm. But that's the hard thing is like, maybe Andy Kaufman was like that too. Yeah, maybe. I I, I just don't know. Do you uh, think there's any um, talent these days like that we kind of love to hate in the same way that is kind of like very performative and that sort of thing? Uh, did they, a comedian? Anyone in the uh, the celeb world. Uh, I guess it would be reality stars, wouldn't it? Isn't this kind of the thing? Mm-hmm. For, for me, I think kind of along the lines of like Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, like, uh, yes. <laughs> who is that dude? Like, again, he seems like such a big weirdo. And then he's married to, uh, what's her face? The Isla Fisher. Yeah, who's like gorgeous. But maybe she's also a big weirdo. Who knows? But um, I think Sasha Baron Cohen has done a better thing at separating uh, himself from, because he is never Sasha Baron Cohen when he's doing this, right? He's always a character. That is true. And when he's separated, he's Sasha Baron Cohen. So he, whereas Andy Kaufman is Andy Kaufman the whole time. Mm-hmm, so you mm-hmm. don't know the separation. So I think that's the difference. Mm-hmm. Or at least it makes it a difference for me. Because when I see Sasha Baron Cohen, I'm like, oh, he's playing Borat or he's playing Bruno or doing whatever he wants. But Andy Kaufman had that weird um, guy. <laughs> what was his name? The Tony in- Clifton? Yeah, Tony Clifton. And then also... Um, Latka. That's the one. So, Yeah. I mean, he was doing that all the time, right? But when they were, when they would go up on stage, he would come out as Andy Kaufman. That's true. That is true. Except for Tony Clifton, where the point was you're not supposed to know. Mm-hmm. But then people found out and they were like, we want Andy, right? So. Yeah. Very bizarre. That Tony and Clifton he, thing also confused me. Yes, it confused me too. And when he went on SNL, he was introduced as Andy Kaufman. Whereas I think if Sasha Baron Cohen went on, he would be like, this is Ollie G. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe he's learned from this that he doesn't want that. He wants the separation. Yep, so that he can go home and be a normal person. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing I found most interesting, or the most interesting part of this movie, is when uh, Andy is trying to tell people that he's sick and mm-hmm. they don't believe him. Yep, because he's a and big I was like, joker. <laughs> I was like, this is what the movie should have been about. Yes, and that actually made me super sad. Like, yeah, heartbreaking. That whole scene, I think, was one of the best in the in the movie because they all slowly come to realize that he's not joking in his own way but of course even all his fans and stuff think that he's lying but yeah the movie kind of teased with at the end where they were acting like he wasn't um i mean that's a thing that's still going on now yeah yeah i mean there's like a whole it's like the whole thing like tupac isn't really dead right Mm -hmm. but they're obvious like i think two years ago um i'm forgetting the girlfriend's name uh, but she like wrote a book or something that said Andy Kaufman wasn't dead. Why do these people do this? I, I think at least with him where they did the Tony Clifton performance at the end and it's mm-hmm. obviously Bob's Muda being Tony Clifton. Cause they already introduced that in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Andy would Andy would be okay with it, right? Like he think he they know he would think this is funny, mm-hmm. and then that's his whole thing, right? So yeah. that's the, at least with this one, it's like oh okay, it's like Andy would do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other thoughts on it, or do you want to just move on? No, I gotta say I was sad that these two were against each other because I was. <laughs> I didn't yeah. need either oh, of those to move on, you know? <laughs> yeah, the, this one was the first one I was like, ooh boy, I can definitely uh, know my feelings about what's going to happen in the next round. Yeah. And I have to yeah. watch one of these movies again. I, with my eyes closed, I hope. No, you can just, you have you can make Emma watch it for you. Did she watch either of these? Nope. She saw me watching them um, without great pleasure, so... Did she didn't. just scoff at you and be like pathetic? Yep, and didn't stick around. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's like, "How's your movie?" I'm like, "Bad." <laughs> she's like, "Okay, bye." Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So, uh, are you, you ready to vote? <laughs> I am ready to vote. Yeah, I'm typing out my answer. One second. And do we have ideas for tiebreakers today? I mean, you are living with the one. Right? Is she still there? She is, yeah. Can, can if if it comes to it, you just have to yell at her until she makes a decision. Sounds good to me. Uh, I don't think this will be a tiebreaker, though. It won't be. Uh, ready? Three, two, one, go. Yeah. It, yeah. It's man on the moon. <laughs> Even though we're both kind of like eh. <laughs> begrudgingly, it is man on the moon. Yes, man on the moon. The next two that we're going to talk about. Probably be a little more animated, I would guess, about these movies. Yes, because they. Yes, I feel like there's much more to feel, say, think about with uh, with these two. This was the better arm. There's of definitely the much more to feel. <laughs> yes. So, shall we start uh, with um, all about my? Do mother? you want to start with the mommy or the mummy? <laughs> no, no. We're gonna start with the mommy. So the mommy. Yes, this is All About My Mother, which is a Pedro Almodovar movie. In uh, Spanish, it is called Todo Sobre Mi Madre. Um, Ooh, I know. Mi Madre. So the synopsis is, young Esteban wants to become a writer and also to discover the identity of his second mother, a trans woman carefully concealed by his mother, Manuela. So. I did not know anything about this movie going in. Me neither. Penelope Cruz popped out of the woodwork, and I was like, damn, girl, didn't know you were in this. You're so young. (laughs) Young Penelope Cruz, though. She was great. I enjoyed her because, uh, yeah, I'm used to older, confident sex bomb, and in this, she's um, she's a nun. (laughs) Younger, less confident, still a sex bomb. But a nun. But a nun. Yep. They killed the son. Yeah, this synopsis surprises me because it's like, it's all about Esteban. It is not all about Esteban. Esteban's in the movie for like 10 minutes. Yeah, that is something that I noticed with this whole movie is that there was hardly a boy in the whole thing. Like there was Esteban, there was... Um, they drove oh. the plot though. In a, in a sense, yeah. It was like about I mean, the boys, but wasn't about the boys. Esteban was like the inciting incident, and then the end goal is to find uh, La Lulu? Lola. Lola. But see, Lola isn't a boy anymore, right? So it's interesting because no, Esteban a, really yeah, is. She. Yeah, and Esteban really is the only named 
boy character. Yeah, other than um, Rosa's father, who isn't really in the movie. This is true. This is true. But it was interesting because as I was watching it, I was like, there is hardly a dude in this whole film. And it's not like it's not like all the men were made out to seem like really terrible people. Um, they just well, really weren't in it. I mean, yeah, no, everyone kept talking about how terrible Lola was, but uh, <laughs> but it's not like it's not like every man that like slithered onto the screen was a creep and was horrible and like get him gone. Um, it was just that it really, really wasn't about the boys. It was about the every relationship time, between yeah. the mom and and her crew. Yeah. So Carolyn said a very good point, and I'm about to ruin it completely. Um, <laughs> every time. Uh, a minor male character came on screen. All they wanted to do was either get their dick sucked or suck dick. You're right about that. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> in this movie, and and it's very minor, but this movie is about women and the, their relationships together and their friendships, yeah. I guess. Are they friendships? I mean, <laughs> someone in the movie, and I forget who it was. I wish I remembered. But someone said, women are assholes and a little bit lesbian. And I was like, oh, okay. And that set the theme for the whole movie. So true. Yes, I mean some of the relationships felt exploitative, but and and I think that was what their purpose was. Like um, with the actresses, it was definitely and a little bit with Rosa and Manuela. Yeah, it was. It was weird because what I think it was is that the movie was filled with um, mother-child relationships. So with Nina, who is, nope, not Nina. Wait, um, are you telling me not every movie has to be about father and sons? No, this one is about mothers and mostly daughters, also some sons. Oh, okay. <laughs> but um, in every in every sense, there was someone mothering someone else. Like, Manuela was the main mommy, and she was mother to Rosa, basically. Um, with the actress, uh, Uma, her relationship with her i don't know the young protege actor actress um nina was incredibly problematic yes but at the same time it's like it was it also felt very motherly um as well you know you know i agree i with that relationship i mean i do think the movie does a good job pointing this out is that she is mo- being motherly um to her i guess Mm-hmm. Uh, underling or like she's an established actress this other wo- uh, woman isn't but she was also like exploiting her and like she was kind of giving up the front of helping her with her drug issue but then actually not doing anything about it yeah it was hard because she definitely clearly wanted to be needed um, mm-hmm. and didn't want to be alone it just felt like more of like a way to control mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you could Which tell I- that she did have the the love for her later um, which doesn't make it acceptable, obviously, but uh, but it came from a not bad place. <laughs> yes, yes. I do think like her intentions were good. I just mm-hmm. don't know if her actions were good. I thought this uh, I thought this movie had really interesting characters. Like I feel like all of them, even the ones that were for the major part like side characters, like we could have only briefly met these people and in, in, in another movie, I think we would have briefly met these people and then they would have gone about their lives or just, you know, been part of the the band of humans or whatever but i think that they they took the time to try to flesh them all out a little bit more which was pretty cool yeah no i i do i feel like i understood every main character i had like a fully understanding of who they were 
mm-hmm. and understood their actions and why they're doing this. Um, did you love how spicy all these women were? Oh, absolutely. But what I liked is that they were all spicy in a completely different way. Like somehow there there were so many characters in this movie and somehow none of them ended up being the same. None of them played out their their arcs in the same way or would react to the same problem in the same way. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I do think they're all very distinct and mm-hmm. have their own, like they, they feel like fully realized people. Like mm-hmm. I understand why everything, like uh, a grotto is way more in your face and mm-hmm. just blunt <laughs> and just mm-hmm. going to be like, yo, this is the way it is. And Rosa's meek and quieter and shy and mm-hmm. it kind of uh like fits with how they set her up right because she's supposed to be like this nice uh virginal nurse mm-hmm. and uh she isn't <laughs> surprise <laughs> surprise she gets uh aids yeah and also pregnant and dies yeah in childbirth is the assumption right presumably because the baby is around. Maybe she dies after. Ch- I don't know. I think it is in childbirth because she says to her if anything happens during. Yeah. And then they cut to the funeral. So, I mean, that is telling me that it happened in childbirth. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. It was interesting, though, because, like, yeah, you mentioned Grado, and that made me think uh, of the one scene where um, she's trying to, like, stall the performance or whatever and kind of hops up on stage to do a monologue and I think in in another movie she might hop up on stage and be like I'm gonna do some stand-up and then it would cut to a different scene um but the movie very intentionally was paying attention to all these other characters and so that's when she gave the the kind of um comedic speech about being authentic Mm um and I thought that was really interesting. I mean, it was definitely trying to make a statement, but I feel like if you have a movie with a bunch of transgendered people in it, you can't, like, you have to acknowledge that. You can't just have these people as just characters, um, you know? And and what I liked is that, for the most part, these people were just living their lives. Every, every piece of their existence wasn't about their identity, um, be it someone with AIDS, be it a transgender person, like, there was a lot going on with these people and not every element was about that, but they also didn't fail to acknowledge that, um, which I think is important. Yeah. Those things were just what was, ha- what was happening in those people's lives, but it wasn't them. Which is wild because this movie was made in the nineties. And I know this like, Oh God, this is something that I, yeah, I thought they would make this kind of thing today because they're talking about all these, these things that would have been kind of cultural issues at the time. And I mean, still are in in some places and in a sense and they're yeah they're just presenting these like well this is just life and here's the problems with it and here's the the good things about it and and the whole story was about real people and their existence and the normal things that happened to them and the tragedies that happened to them but it was never talking about them like they were taboo or shocking or anything like that. No, it never shamed them. Mm-hmm. It was like, this is who they are. This is their life. This is their choices. That's just what is that's they're allowed to do this. Like, yeah. don't get in their way. And I do think with the Agrado speech, it was very much like the movie's thesis. Mm-hmm. It was like explicitly stating to the to the audience in the theater and mm-hmm. to the viewers, like, this is what this is about. Like, just if you were confused here, let it, let's explicitly state it for you, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. which I really enjoyed. I thought like that could go really bad in movies. If you're like 
smacking the audience in the face <laughs> with like, this is what we want to say to you. Yeah. Well, especially if it's not a character that's like, um, I mean, I would say the two main, main characters were um, Rosa and uh, Manuela and it wasn't either of them saying it, but it wouldn't be in their characters to be saying it. So No, they were very much wanted to be actresses, right? Like they wanted to play a part, mm-hmm. whereas Agrado was like the force of personality, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas she's like, I'm me. Mm-hmm. And you can take it or leave it. What did you think of the uh, of the ending when we finally meet Lola, who we've been talking about the whole movie? <laughs> I thought it was good i thought it was very again it wasn't like it was in character how manuela handled that Mm -hmm. what a cool lady because (laughs) yeah a very cool lady and uh, very kept together somehow Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh but she wouldn't like yell or scream it just wasn't her way right and also to be fair like in that situation she's racked with grief and Mm -hmm. has a new child to look after (laughs) so well and also it kind of seemed like she resented lola for what she did to her, but not, I mean. She also like just dipped for 18 years and didn't tell her about yeah, their exactly. child. So she, she made the choice to raise this kid on her own. And I mean, how mad can you be at someone when they were the one who, who gave you this child, like the love of your life, you know, um, yeah. who also just and died. The like movie never experienced this loss together, you know? Yeah. And the movie never comes down on the movie. Doesn't judge either for their decisions. No. It just, presents the decisions and lets you make your decision. I thought it was interesting that like Lola is presented by the characters as the villain throughout the whole movie. Like Manuela is kind of mad. Her son is always curious about dad, but you know, um, Mm -hmm. there's kind of some hurt there. Everyone seems to be mad at Lola because Lola keeps dipping. And um, I mean, obviously Rosa has been impregnated and gotten AIDS from and like, so everyone kind of just hates Lola. And then you meet Lola and you're like, you're not, you're not the villain of the movie. You're also hurt. And no, like, it's, yeah. Lola wasn't yeah. mad. You're kind of sad. Yeah. Like she wasn't mad that, that she didn't know about Esteban, didn't meet, meet Esteban. Uh, I mean, like was, was sad about it for sure. But it was just one of those moments where it's like, okay, like i I wish I didn't miss that opportunity, you know, like. Yeah, she didn't, she didn't blame Manuela. Like she no. understood Manuela's decision because there's like the whole, you have this buildup of history mm-hmm. and not even really told. It's just kind of like the movie. You just understand that there's a lot of history between these people mm-hmm. and both of them did things to hurt each other. Yep. And it resulted in Manuela running away. Mm-hmm. And both of them are like, well, that sucks. Yep. And, but we don't, let's like not dig up our issues when A, I'm dying mm-hmm. and you are telling me I had two children. <laughs> so. Well, and with the, with the Rosa and Lola situation, Lola ran away from that one, it seems. And, um, but then later you find out that Lola's really sick and it's kind of like, okay, she's dealing with her own stuff. And maybe, maybe that is an explanation for why she's been running off. Like, cause she clearly does not seem like a a terrible person, just a flawed individual, just a human, honestly. Just Yeah, just selfish, really. Yeah. They're all kind of selfish. Yeah. It's because Manuela, again, it's like, why did you sleep with Lola to Rosa, mm-hmm. right? She's like, why did you do this? And I, Rosa at that point, I don't know if that after that conversation, she knows. I think she has an idea that Manuela had slept with Lola, mm-hmm. um, but didn't really know. But again, like there's no, I just, I thought this movie was really good. 
I really enjoyed it, honestly. I uh, I didn't know that I would because, again, I didn't know anything about it. And I was like going into it and I was like, oh, God, this kid just died and what the hell? And then I – yeah, I was kind of captivated by this movie. I really wanted to know what happened next because I didn't know where it was ever going to go. Mm-hmm. And this – I think like Pedro Almodovar, who is like an uh, openly gay man even at this point, mm-hmm. uh, it's wild that this movie got made considering what it's about and who made it. We should uh, stop letting the straight white men make movies. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's made a bunch of movies, Mm -hmm. Pedro Almodovar, and they're all uh, very well. Like, he's a really good director. He doesn't really make bad movies. No, he's a great director. But uh, but yeah, the fact that this movie was made when it was, it, it honestly blows my mind. Yeah, I just, I, when I was watching this, I was like, this is what this movie's about? I thought it was going to be about Esteban trying to find his father. Well, And, and also, then Esteban dies. Yeah, and when they start introducing, like, okay, she's going off and hanging out with all of these um, kind of on the fringes uh, people in society. And um, and you start meeting some uh, some sex workers and some transgender people. I was like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> I know when this movie was made, this is not going to be the most sensitive uh discussion but it was yeah and i think why this movie works so well is that it it, when you're dealing with this specific issues and all these people from different walks of life and like you said people on the fringes of society Mm -hmm. um women are way more accepting of these people than men are Mm -hmm. if you had like a male character and they were dealing with a grotto they'd be like why do you do this Mm -hmm. like i don't like it would be way more confrontational whereas when Rosa meets these people and Manuela, who knows them, mm-hmm. and even uh, Uma or Uma, Uma, Uma. Uh, are all just like, okay, that's your life decision, whatever. Yep. Let's deal with the issue that matters instead mm-hmm. of, you know, getting hung up on your life choices. <laughs> yep. The only one who really cared was Rosa's mom. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but again, with her, it's like you understand why she's like this because she's dealing with a lot of shit at home. Oh, exactly. And like, yeah, no, it, it it made sense in that situation because you could tell that she was quite wealthy and kind of came from from a certain status and stuff. Um, and yeah, just a completely different life that she wouldn't understand. Yeah, and then she, yeah. And but she came around. You understand, <laughs> yeah, and you understand why Rosa wouldn't want to go there because mm-hmm. the situation with the father would just be unbearable mm-hmm. and not in a way, like not his fault. It would just be like, you can't be in that house. Yeah. Because, yeah, well, yeah, they say at the end, they, they, it's at the end of the movie, essentially, where he doesn't recognize his own daughter, so. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, yeah, I can understand why she wouldn't want to be there. Yeah. So, Do you wanna, so, consensus, this is a pretty dang good movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I just, I could not believe this movie <laughs> existed in this age, mostly. I was like, this is so progressive. It was quite the ride, too. <laughs> And it won Best Foreign Language Film at the Which Oscars. makes sense, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And was this the one that launched Penelope Cruz? It must have been because she was really young at the time, so I can't see her having done much work before it. And, I mean, she was 25. Uh, oh, she looked like she was a solid 17. But uh, I know, she looks very young. I think they make her look younger. Her and Pedro are, um, it's kind of like, She's a little bit his muse, right? And she's worked with him a lot since. So I feel like he must have uh, had some some part in really launching her career. It wasn't the movie that really launched her. 
it was probably the one that got her uh, a little elevated to get this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a movie called The Girl of Your Dreams in 1998, mm. uh, which is she is the lead of and won a couple of award, like European film awards for. And then this movie happened. And then that got obviously got came over, came into North America. And then I think it really took off from there. Yeah, that probably was a, a good footing into her um, American career, her international career. I mean, she do- hasn't really done that many American films. This is true, but we seem to know her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think so as well. Like, I, I think it's because she's also beautiful. So, of course, America would take interest in her. Yeah. They're like, hello, <laughs> you're stunning. Please come be in our movies. Yeah, seriously. She's, uh, she's something. She is something. Um, they have a movie coming out this year together. They do? Yeah, he has his movie coming out this year. Uh, let me just find his Wikipedia page quickly. Um, uh, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. I mean, she it's was called in Vanilla Pain Sky. and Glory. She was. Which and was two thousand. She was also married to Tom Cruise, briefly. Yeah, how did they meet, I wonder? <laughs> uh, probably weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the movie is called Pain and Glory um, by Pedro Almodovar, and it's starring Penelope Cruz and Antonio Banderas. Hmm. Or Banderas. He's Banderas. He loves both of them. Yes, he does. And I believe it was selected to compete for the Palme d'Or, but it did not. It was nominated for it, but it did not win. Because mm. mm-hmm. it premiered at Cannes. So. Do you want to move on to the second El mother? Mume? Yeah. El Mume, the Mume. mummy. Uh, okay, so the mummy released the, in 1999. Uh, <laughs> I'm cutting you off uh, before you do the synopsis. Uh-huh. Do you think this CG was worse than Deep Blue Sea? <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Because at least it was consistent. <laughs> Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> okay. Like the mummy was at least one size for the most part. <laughs> they did the I, best okay. with what they had. I guess they used more practical, to be fair. They did. They did use a lot of practical in this. Hit me with that synopsis. Smack me in my face. All right. This was a Stephen Summers movie um, with the synopsis of. At an archaeological dig in the ancient city of Hamunaptra, an American serving in the French Foreign Legion accidentally awakens a mummy who begins to wreak havoc as he searches for the reincarnation of his long-lost love. So really, this movie's a love story. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. <laughs> the yeah, creepiest love story there is. This movie is like, the I think would be the perfect example if you were like, Let's go back 20 years and find what a movie that would not be made now mm-hmm. uh, because of all the problematic shit in it. Yeah, we've got a little bit of misogyny. We got some racism. A we little got, bit. Like, yeah, it a was problematic. <laughs> the thing with this movie is <laughs> there is some extraordinarily problematic things, but in the parts where that wasn't the case, it was also a hell of a lot of fun in in the adventure-y type It was way. a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It, was a, yeah. it was a lot of fun. Uh, 
can Brendan is this version of Brendan Fraser able to get it? <laughs> well, I was reading why he was in this movie, and it's like partly he was hot off of uh, George of the Jungle. Um, what a beefcake! But uh, he, <laughs> <laughs> they. What I appreciated about him and the reason that they casted him is that he's not just some dashing, handsome, fearless leader. Like, he's not Indiana Jones, you know? He's not this, like, chiseled, good-looking guy. Like, I mean, obviously, he's he's handsome, but he he's also not fully buying it. Like, all this weird shit's happening, and he's like, okay, time to go. You know, like, he's he's not about this. He did not sign up for this, but he's also not, like, just a complete goofball. So the director was saying that the reason they wanted him in this role was because if he was buying into it, then the audience wouldn't be able to go on this ride with him. And everyone would just be like, no, this is dumb. Like, <laughs> you This know? movie did make me miss Brennan Fraser. Oh, he's absolutely. Not really, yeah, I was like, well, this guy has a charisma mm -hmm. and he's a good enough actor. He can carry a movie. Um, just because you're drawn to him. He's fun. Um, like, he, I, I enjoyed watching him on screen. And he's a beefcake. I mean, yeah, apparently. I forgot about that. <laughs> and whereas uh, Rachel Weiss, who's also a great actress, uh, I just wish they didn't fuck up her eyebrows. It was the 90s, like, creepy, thin eyebrows. Ooh. I hate it. Also, she... The thing about her character... In, you know what's uh, funny? Well, what, well, what's the thing about her character? Ooh, I wonder. In the 90s, oh. this is probably, she was probably looked at as like, ooh, this is this is great. We have a character who actually like does something. Good job, ladies. But looking back on it, it's one of those things that it's like, oh, God. She's like, she falls into that trope of like, she's gorgeous and she's smart. So we got to give her a flaw. Okay, she's going to be the biggest klutz in the world. Like this klutzy trope. That was a big thing. It still is a big thing in like rom-coms and stuff. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> Nothing bad's ever happened from reading a book of the dead. Uh, yeah. It's like, you're the dumbest smart person. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. It, that was, it's such a classic, like nine, like what they used to, all women roles in these movies were this. Like if you were the lead female, you could be intelligent and successful, but you still had to have a flaw. What I appreciated though is like, she wasn't just the damsel in distress. I think that's something that kind of came about in the 90s probably where it, it wasn't just like, okay, this woman is a useless um, blob. But they they weren't where they are now where it's like you have your own intentions and stuff like that. Um, you know, they, they definitely found a lot of tropes. Yeah, she's arguably more useful than her brother. Oh, God, he's the worst. He sucks. Yeah. Is he worse than Benny? No, Benny's like, oh, what a slime ball. But or he is, also is died, Benny though? Is yeah, Benny. Benny has it rough. Is Benny better than the Americans? The <laughs> the Americans. I thought it was so funny that in an American movie they decided to make the Americans the biggest like stereotype. I I mean yes, but then they also had another American being the hero, so it's like a little. Yeah, it was weird. It it definitely had this certain like old western look and feel about it and the charm that came along with that. And I think the Americans were kind of like a, a tease at that, like these like, you know, old kind of dumb hicks. I don't know. They were 
terrible. <laughs> it was weird because I was like, are we supposed to care about these guys dying? I felt bad for the guy with the glasses. He was the only one who wasn't a terrible person. <laughs> yeah, he gets a he gets a raw deal. Though apparently this movie doesn't understand how glasses work because when he loses his glasses and he's running around, oh, that was horrible. <laughs> this movie doesn't also understand how tongues work. No. <laughs> He loses his tongue and then he's just like, okay, he can still speak words. Like, what are you, what? He's not like mute. He's just like, okay, he took my tongue. Yeah. He's just like talking with an open mouth. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, that poor guy though. He got a raw deal out of this. He did. He got, I guess they all got dehydrated. You want to know one of the biggest flaws of this movie though? Other than oh, tell um, me. all of the here for it. problematic things. Inhotep wasn't mummified. No. <laughs> The mummy was not a mummy. No. No, he wasn't mummified. I was like, what are they going to point this out? This is weird. He was buried alive and eaten. Yeah. I guess the technical mummy was... His wife? The, not his wife, his, his lover. Oh, right. His wannabe wife? Yeah. She was mummified. Anuksu right? Namun. Anuksu Munra or something. Yeah. Apparently, uh, this is a funny anecdote. Um, the mummy was wildly popular when it first came out and they had this ride at, um, Universal or Warner Brothers or whoever made this. And, um, the, the ride, you would have to wait in line for like three hours because it was so popular. And when the line would move forward, like the slightest bit, everyone would start chanting Imhotep like they do in the movie. Um, which I think is hilarious because all these people were also like hot and like parched and stuff. And, uh. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, yeah. Uh, I I do think one one of the most glaring things is they cast a bunch of white people. Yeah. Uh, because the guy who plays Imhotep is South African. Yeah. And Rachel Weiss and John Hanna are supposed to be half Egyptian. Yeah, they kind of skimmed over that. <laughs> they could have just left them British. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, we don't need her to be half Egyptian. That's fine. Yeah. He just, it's, she's the first woman he sees after he becomes moving mummy. Yeah. And that's fine. We don't need a reason other than that. We don't need to point out. It's weird that he was aware that Rachel Weisz wasn't his girlfriend, but kept trying to kiss her. Like, stop. Yeah, I I mean... (laughs) To be fair, other people tried to kiss Rachel Weisz, too. So maybe everyone was just like, whoa. I mean, who wouldn't? So would I. But Let, like. Let's. Uh, and then if I know if I kiss her, she can't stop thinking about it. Because that's how that's how that's how attraction works. In the 90s, it was. <laughs> I was like wanting to scream at my TV when that was happening. Uh, can we talk about um, the diggers? That, the diggers? Yeah. Or the shovels they were using? No, the humans that they referred to as the diggers. I don't we want were, to talk about that. It was horrifying. I Things know, like that about this movie, it it ruined it because it took away all the like the actual just fun adventure parts. And then you're like, oh, God, this is – and I mean, you're supposed to think that's horrible. But at the same time, that doesn't make it not horrible, you know? Also, the, the movie opens with Brennan Fraser slaughtering a bunch of people. Yep. And then he's who are just defending their land. Yeah. And it's their fault. Do you uh, do you have a favorite moment? Oh boy. Um 
of like funniness or like a good part? Either one. Okay, so the funny thing is is when uh, Rachel Weiss's boss sacrifices himself for no reason. Lots of people sacrifice themselves for no reason in this movie. Yeah, don't they it's know like, that Brandon quick- Fraser's the hero? Yeah, it's like quick, get down the uh, the sewer hole. No, I'm gonna stand here five feet away from the sewer hole and just kill three dudes with a sword and then let them tear me apart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know why he did that, but I guess he needed to leave the movie. <laughs> I was yeah. like, okay. Or um I my favorite part was Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weiss. Because they did have chemistry. I just didn't like how their relationship started. And at the end of the movie, they're not together either, right? Like it they they're just they're still just like flirting with each other. I just don't like the part where he like forcefully kisses her, I guess. Yeah, I really didn't like that either. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I I don't understand his Take the whole beginning part of his character out of the movie because, like, he was – you're right. He slaughtered a bunch of people. He's, like, this, I don't know, feral wolf man. And then he – yeah, he just kisses her and she's, like, ew. But also, like, she hates him. Ooh. And then all of a sudden he's, like, Ooh. this attractive, cleaned-up fellow. And, I, I yeah, I wish their relationship didn't start that way. Though I did like watching them throughout the movie because it wasn't just, like – it. I mean, of course, you know they're going to end up kind of together – but it wasn't this gross, slimy thing the whole time. And it wasn't an no. annoying, like, can you just get together? Because I'm tired of watching this. <laughs> like, No, they do have good chemistry and they both help each other. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. they, like he, I guess he does save her at the end, but she is still, she is the one who kills the mummy. Yeah. And, uh, right? and they both no, couldn't he have kills, done the other She people. makes him vulnerable. Yes. Yeah, which is, I mean, a little rare for a 90s action movie, I guess. Well, that's the thing. I think probably at the time they were like, wow, Rachel Weisz is so cool in this movie. Like, she's kind of a, not a badass woman, but kind of. Like, she's got a mind of her own. She's got some agency and that sort of thing. But then, yeah, then there's some really problematic things um, with how they treated her character. <laughs> very, very, yeah, very problematic. Just a little, mm, a little. Uh, but I still think it's in the movie's enjoyable. You just have to know about this stuff and it will make, make you feel uncomfortable and yeah. kind of gross. But there, I think it, I think the good parts of it outweigh the bad and make it kind of fine. It's better than uh, topsy turvy. Well, definitely. And, and if you look back on it with the lens of like, yeah, this was made in the nineties, it's a nineties action movie, but kind of a fun nineties action movie. Then. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you have to watch it acknowledging that it came out 20 years ago. I have one more question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, did the 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 one Magi member who lives or who's a character in this movie, did he originate face tattoos? <laughs> the, the, the handsome guy who doesn't actually have a name? Yes, he does not have a name. I, I Wikipedia it. His character doesn't have a name, but I do not remember them saying his they name. They didn't say it. They don't say it until the second movie. But um, he apparently was supposed to have full, like, head-to-toe tattoos, like all those, uh, all of that band of people was supposed wow. to. Wow. But then the director decided that he was way too good-looking to cover up with tattoos. So... <laughs> He does have great hair. <laughs> and I was like, wait, who's good looking? And then I looked and I was like, oh, he does have a certain like 
dark charm to him, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's standing against Brendan Fraser, though. Yeah, but it's like one's like tall, dark, and mysterious, and the other one is like the the all American linebacker, you know? Yeah, they both have great hair. Absolutely, nineties had great hair. Yeah, these people don't get dirty in the movie either, which I think is hilarious. But Brendan Fraser, at the same time, is also always dirty. You know, yeah, he's, he's got that. He's got that like glisten. Yeah, he's got like a just a little coating of grime. It's like the he's wearing the adventure suit too, where it's like all shades of brown and khaki. Um, so you can never tell if it's clean or, clean or dirty. Uh, yeah, true. Mm-hmm. He's just well dressed, and mm-hmm. but this movie also doesn't like do weird, weird like which I was worried about with like the forceful kissing and mm-hmm. stuff. I was like, oh no, are they gonna do like Rachel Weisz has to wear like skimpy clothes for some reason? Mm-hmm. Um, and this movie doesn't do that, and also it I feel like it doesn't really like sexually exploit like it doesn't show the women uh, as sexual and the men as not. They mm-hmm. are both treated as not essentially. Mm-hmm. They're both like no. People don't wear that shit in this in this situation. They're just need they just need clothing. Which is interesting because it's supposed to take place not in 1999. It's supposed to also be a little bit further um, back in time, where the way men and women treated each other wasn't necessarily the way it is now. Um, but it's interesting you say that about Rachel Weisz because that I think was a whether it was a conscious or not conscious choice. It uh, they had the opportunity to go the other way in what they dressed her in and how they filmed it and stuff. But in that scene where the boat is um, like sinking and it's raining and everything like that, um, mm-hmm. apparently they didn't know this beforehand, but uh, Rachel Weiss's nightgown thing was white. And once she got wet, it was completely see-through. And they were like, oh, ooh, didn't want that. So they like CGI'd it so that it wasn't see-through because they were like- Wow. Yeah. So they actually made the active effort to be like- Oh, that was our bad, our bad. Like, yeah, I didn't even notice. Like, (laughs) what? So, yeah, I guess probably because they didn't. It probably was in the. It's the right thing to do. They did the right thing. Yeah, but I bet their reason for not doing it would, in my guess, in the time, I might be wrong, is that they probably it probably was in her contract that she wouldn't show that. Yeah, like no nudity. No nudity. Mm-hmm. I bet that was signed or something, or it'd be like nobody was showing nudity in this movie. Mm-hmm. Or and if they did, or it was it's that, or they were going for PG, mm-hmm. and that would make it PG thirteen or whatever. It is PG thirteen. Oh, or that would make it what's above PG thirteen R. R. Yeah, then maybe that would make it R in the nineties because because it was the nineties. Yeah, because people boobs are boobs are bad. Boobs ruin b- boobs ruin children, Carolyn. Well, of course. Got to think about the bit. Got to think about the little boys. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But not about the little girls. Doesn't matter about them. <laughs> no. Who cares? That's not. It's not your target demo. Nope. <laughs> this movie's not made for them. Did you ever watch The Mummy Returns? I've watched all the mummies. Please get out of here. They fix <laughs> Rachel Weisz's eyebrows. It's better. <laughs> it's because it's 2001, and the ultra skinny eyebrows weren't as popular in 2001. Thank God. Uh, yeah. It. It, when she came on screen, I was like, whoa, girl, your face. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, not a good look. No, not so cute. No, Brennan Fraser, though, a little less of a beefcake. Yeah, I honestly think it's because he had the, the George of the Jungle body still. Yeah, that he says that ruined his career. George of the Jungle? No, the that he would he prided himself on being in really good shape for these movies. And mm-hmm. then he would do all his own stunts. And it kind of his body started to break down. 
Yeah, and he had to have a bunch of surgeries. That's that's why he that's why he like disappeared for a decade is because he had to have a bunch of surgeries to fix his body and he got sexually assaulted. So, I mean, both good reasons. I mean, he's one of those people that was very wealthy and was able to. Yeah, I think he kind of took a step back, and I mean, he is extremely he was extremely successful in the nineties. But that's the thing. He, he, yeah, he's someone that was kind of like, oh, where, what, where'd he go? You know, and now we know where he went. But um, he was someone who kind of – everyone thinks of him as like a comedian. But then you're like, oh, wait, he could actually do action movies. He could actually be like a romantic comedy guy. He could be a leading man. Like he was really enjoyable to watch on the screen. Mm-hmm. And I know he's coming back a little bit now. He's done like minor roles in TV shows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah, do think he would be. Daddy. I think he do think he. Yeah, I do think he would fit better. He's kind of like Keanu and Brad Pitt in a way. Not like their at level of acting ability, because obviously one is better than the others. Mm-hmm. But they all are better at being like character actors. But they all just look like leading men. Yeah, and like I love all three of them. Um, but they all are better at being when they can like kind of get into a character mm-hmm. and it, they don't really play up their beauty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you want to vote on which mother advances? <laughs> yeah, it's funny because when I was looking at these matchups, I was so mad that um, that the mummy was against uh, the mommy because <laughs> I hated the other two movies. <laughs> yeah, those movies, no, no good. No, I hated the other two. And both of these, I was like, you know what? The Mummy, extremely problematic, but I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed, you know, Topsy-Turvy, so. Yeah, that's not saying much. No, it's it's really not saying much, but. What's, is, is Topsy-Turvy the worst movie we've watched so far? Probably. Um, yeah, like, I really didn't like Man on the Moon, but at least it made me feel something and think something. Topsy-Turvy, I honestly just found it really boring. It was a six seed for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. Are you ready? Yep. Three. Two, one. All about mom. What's that movie? It's funny because at first I was talking while I typed it, and I wrote all about the mummy, um, but spelled the mummy, so it's, uh, that would have been confusing. Are you just thinking about your mother? <laughs> no, because I call my <laughs> mother mom, not mummy. You don't call her the mummy. I do call her the mummy, and my dad is oh. El Padre. El Padre. <laughs> Emma's looking at me like, where are you about to go with this, Carolyn? <laughs> <laughs> Emma really wants to know. Yeah, I'm sure that she does. She, she, she'll probably need to have a conversation about it. Uh, the movies we're watching for the next one are Run, Lola, Run, and Go. Mm-hmm. And American Beauty, which, oh boy. Yep. And The Bone Collector. What a creepy... Uh, and I own one. I own two of those, actually. Which movies? I own the second two. American Beauty and the Bone Collector? Yeah, it's before all the bad news came about. Uh, came out about Darkwing Duck, though. Yeah, yeah. The Bone Collector has Angelina in it, doesn't it? It does. And Denzel? Oh, yeah, but at the time, I only cared about Angelina. Come on. Tomb Raider, man. Uh, just wait till you see early late 90s Denzel, though. You're right. Now that I have my adult eyes, I might feel different. <laughs> you had to, you've had the you've you're seeing Brett and Fraser in a new light now. You certainly am. <laughs> you're like, oh, hello. It's funny because I saw mm, George yes. of the Jungle. I love George of the Jungle. 
That dude was half naked and I didn't notice at the time. Yo, he's ripped in that movie. Oh, I know. But there was talking monkeys, so I was distracted. You were also a child. I certainly was. Yeah. Your uh, your awakening to the male body had not happened yet. Nope. It happened, uh, you know, when I turned 25, so. Aren't what? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I feel like all these movies that I watched when I was a kid, I've only just started rewatching them and I was like, whoa. <laughs> Hello. Right? And But then you, you know, we both know you're faithful to Kristen. Of course. Yeah. She, she can't, she doesn't listen to this, so it's safe. It's a safe space. <laughs> <laughs> for now, for now. But for now until until she finds out and you're like, it's not that way. Those <laughs> those Charlie's Angels trailers gotta stop though. Oh boy. Yeah. Do they have to stop though? No, they don't. The movie just needs to come out faster. Or would you would you be okay if they edited out everything else but Kristen Stewart just with different haircuts? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure the movie is just about her with different haircuts. <laughs> is that why she signed up? <laughs> yeah, is there anyone else in the movie? No. <laughs> well, it's directed by Elizabeth Banks, so maybe you and Elizabeth Banks should just be friends because you obviously have the same interest. <laughs> this is of, true. like let's make let's get Kristen Stewart in a bunch of different outfits with a bunch of different hair and see what she looks best in. Yep, and then uh, don't cut out any of them; just use them all. And be like, mm, yes, that's a good one. Mm, it's like a, <laughs> it's your version of a fashion show. Oh, absolutely. I'm not even sure. Like, I was going to say, I'm not sure what the movie is about. That's a lie. It's Charlie's Angels. Everyone knows what it's about. But <laughs> I remember nothing. I don't, from I don't the know trailer. what Charlie's Angels is about. <laughs> the first time I watched the trailer, it was on silent because I was at work and I was like, oh, all this hair. So, did you have to hold your chest? Absolutely. Like, oh. And then I sent it to all of my friends who feel the same way. Because finally, the internet is realizing that she's a bomb, so. I mean, it took, to be to be fair to the internet, the movies that made her famous are trash. Absolutely. The worst, best thing that could have happened to both her and Robert Pattinson was Twilight. And now they're both established, incredible actors. And they now have made enough money that they can pick the projects they want. And they make all these crazy and actually good indie darlings and often foreign yeah. things. And now one is Charlie's Angel and the other one is Batman. So so, so they've gone back to Hollywood. <laughs> it comes full circle. I mean, hope, hopefully they're good. Yeah. And, and if people want to know uh, what Carolyn obviously loves Kristen Stewart, if you want to know what... Uh, I love is just watch the Idris Elba hot ones and be seduced like I was by him. Yeah, that's fair. I was like, yeah, the host of that show was like ready to fuck at the end of that. (laughs) He was like, whatever you want, Idris, I'm open. I feel like he has that certain charm though. Like Uh, he just walks in and he's like, hello. And everyone's like, oh, Idris. <laughs> and everyone's like, Idris, where do you want me? <laughs> but he's too much of a gentleman <laughs> to take them up on it. it. True, true. He is, he is quite, he's, it's the, it's the, he's charming and he, you know, yeah. it's a, he's a great actor and all that stuff. And he wears a suit really well. He's not going to be James Bond though. No. That's, that's gone to, uh. John Madden's son, Richard Madden. Sorry, all I heard was another white man. 
<laughs> you know who Richard Madden is. I do, yes. He's the he's the king of the north. Or he was. Oh. <laughs> he, mm, spoilers. Let's not get the thrones people on us because they are looking for blood. Yeah, that's that's fair. A little less than pleased, I would say. They can hush. Well, you're one of them, so you should really hush. 